What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overland Trail Guides podcast. This is episode 19. We're going to be talking about exploring Pakistan on motorcycle with John Leody today. My name is Ben. I'll be your host. So a little bit about Overland Trail Guides. Overland Trail Guides is the ultimate resource for curated overland routes in North America, whether you're in the United States, Canada, or Mexico. Uh, I forget the exact number of miles we have. I think we have over 60 routes now, upwards of like 25,000 miles of curated routes. You can check those out at www.overlandtrailguides.com. The best way to support us, uh, purchase a subscription. If you're not in a subscription, check out the store, see what we got over there. We got a bunch of cool adventure badges. I need to get more of our apparel up there, so that'll be coming soon. And of course, if you like what you're hearing, please hit that subscribe button. And without further ado, I would like to welcome back to the show uh, my friend, John Liotti. Uh, John, it's great to have you back again, man. How are you? Oh, I'm great, man. What a joy to be back here with you and to uh, talk about one of my favorite things, overlanding, as well as motorcycles. So, yeah. Vehicle exploration, right? It doesn't really awesome. matter if you're uh, on a pedal bike, on a moto, Mm-hmm. Uh, in a truck, you know, whatever, whatever you got, make, make do. And I think, um, I think what we, we've talked about with some other folks, uh, yourself in the past about some of those differences, uh, mm-hmm. in exploring by, by moto. I know if you listen to the expedition portal podcast or overland journal, um, they talk a lot about that as well too. So I think it'll, it'll be an interesting, um, way to kind of, uh, frame this for some of our folks who are used to, obviously exploring by vehicle like myself. Um, so before we get into this crazy adventure, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you, um, what you do, where you're based out of, all the toys that you like to hit the dirt on. Um, sure. Go for it. Well, yeah, well, I'm based in uh, Northern California. I live in the Redwoods in a little town called Boulder Creek above Santa Cruz. Um, I, uh, on my day job, I run a nonprofit organization that serves under-resourced high school students and first-generation college students. That's called AbleWorks. Um, and for fun, uh, primarily I'm a motorcycle rider, have been so for my whole life, um, and uh, really gotten more and more, as I've gotten older and I guess older, <laughs> uh, I've, I've gotten more interested in dirt riding. Um, I've always been a street rider. I did a little racing when I was you know, younger in high school and stuff, but um but the dirt is really kind of where my heart is right now. So I do a lot of adventure bike riding, uh, a lot of dual sport riding. Um, on the motorcycle side, I have a, a Triumph Tiger 800. Um, and I have a uh, KLR 650, the, the Jeep of the motorcycle world. Mm-hmm. And I have a DRZ 400, um, which is more of my, uh, my smaller bike. On the uh, overland side, uh, you know, I got a Tacoma, a Tacoma like lots of other people, uh, relatively stock with uh, mostly just the armor, you know, the, the slide rails and the and that stuff just to keep it, keep it happy. But, you know, I throw motorcycles in the back door all the time. So it's a little hard to jack up too tall off the ground, but yeah, love the outdoors. Love. Uh, I love overlanding. I love motorcycle riding. I love everything out in the country and, and getting dirty and stinky and, and uh, having a good time. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think when you hear a lot of these podcast shows, you know, there are these people that um, whether they, hit the jackpot via an IPO or whether they come from a wealthy family or whether they've, they've done well and climbing the corporate ladder, they can take half a year off. That's not most of us, 
You know, th mm -hmm. those people are, are certainly lucky to have, uh, to be able to do that. And so mm -hmm. I think your, your situation is, is really for the every man or the every woman that doesn't have, you know, right. eight figure and eight figures in your bank account. Right. And you can't just go do what you want. I, I would love that in there, but you Absolutely. know, um, working towards it. Um, but you know, like you said, you, you, you essentially run this nonprofit. It's your mm -hmm. nonprofit. You founded it. So that, that keeps you pretty busy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, you know, we're working for the nonprofit world. It's, uh, especially at where I'm at right now in my career, it's, it's a lot of fundraising and a lot of more leadership thing. I have a great staff, but you know, it's, uh, it's an honor really to serve these students and the, and to really give my life away to, uh, to people who, um, who are just brilliant and bright and haven't had, have a chance to succeed. So yeah, it's, a, sure. it's a good way. To, it's a good way to have a life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, doing something positive, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's definitely something we should all strive to do. Yeah. And so what was the impetus behind this, um, behind this trip to Pakistan? Was there, yeah. you know, how long were you there for? Sure. Um, we can kind of start with the impetus and I, I want to get into a little bit of the planning and then we can get into the yeah. meat of the adventure. Cause I'm sure there's some yep. interesting stuff to tell there. So what I, what I didn't mention is I'm also on a podcast called motorcycles and misfits, uh, which is one of the leading, uh, motorcycle podcasts in the U S oh, cool. um, and, um, and everybody can find that on Apple and all your podcast streams will have that also. So go over there and check it out if you're interested. Um, so as part of being part of that crowd, uh, the, uh, the woman who started the podcast in the recycle garage in Santa Cruz uh, has been, has been doing Pakistan trips for uh, a few years. So the opportunity came up for me to, uh, to take a group over. So what I did was we uh, promoted it on the podcast and put together a group of about Oh, 10 or 12 uh, riders from across the country who are interested in going. Now, what we also do is we partner with a, um, a really brilliant uh, young Pakistani man um, named Moin, who has an organization called the, uh, A Different Agenda. And, you know, Moin is U.S. educated and um, comes from a great family in, in Pakistan. But what he wanted to do after he graduated from San Francisco State was to go back to Pakistan and to provide opportunities for people to see a different side of the nation. You know, we see stuff on the uh, on the news about you know terrorism and you know all the all the, all the, the crazy negative stuff, stuff there. Yeah. Um, and he just felt like that's not that's not the country that he grew up in or represents, and wanted to change the perspective. So he kind of on a whim started uh, putting together uh, these motorcycle tours of Pakistan. And and uh, Liza from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast uh, ran into him randomly at I think a community event somewhere in the Bay Area and uh, started a relationship and, and uh, sort of out of that, uh, she's been running only women's trips. So I wanted to do something for, uh, for guys and, or we were doing a co-ed trip, but it ended up being all guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's, that's where it started. So we, um, uh, you know, there were, there were 12 of us and uh, a, a lot of the group has never traveled much outside of the U S. So it was, a, it was a total new experience for them. Oh, wow. Um, it, it was a three week trip in total. Um, which was a long time, incredibly affordable. Um, you know, when it was, once it was you get there, than, yeah, getting there was the pain. Uh, yeah. but, um, but once we got there, it was, you know, under $4,000 for the whole trip, all in, uh, hotels, food, motorcycle, everything. Three weeks. Yeah. For three weeks. So, and rent and renting the motorcycles. Yes. So what, um, that's crazy. We'll, we'll come back and talk about the motorcycles, yeah. but what, 
what we ended up doing was uh, we flew, I flew into Islamabad and uh, immediately a, a few of us took, uh, some flew into Lahore directly. So Lahore is on the east side of Pakistan on the Indian border. Um, Islamabad sort of in the north central. Um, so Islamabad is the capital. So we flew in there, drove to Lahore. Lahore is uh, an ancient city uh, that's, uh, that has been one of the cultural capitals of Pakistan um, for 800 years. Mm-hmm. And a beautiful place, amazing place. So we, we went there and, you know, the first few days was really just about seeing the culture experience in Lahore. Um, we went out to the Wagyu border ceremony. If, if anybody wants to just uh, Google that or, or type it into your to YouTube, um, India and Pakistan every day do this border ceremony at the closing of the gates. And it's crazy. They do these goose steps and they're all dressed in these you know, elaborate outfits and they kind of run up and scream at each other. Ah, you know, it's all choreographed. And, uh, and at the end of the time, it's so cool because, you know, so you, what you've got is this amphitheater on the Indian side and the amphitheater on the Pakistani side. And they're all chanting, you know, Pakistan Zinzabar, you know, and everybody's yelling back and forth. And at the last thing they do, they walk up to each other, they shake hands and they close the gate together. And it's kind of a neat like thing. If you know the history of Pakistan and the partition that happened in the, in the 1940s after the British left, there's been a lot of animosity between the two nations. And yeah. And, you know, they're both nuclear powers and there's all this story going on about it. But it's kind of cool to me that like, they, they still have maintained that connection, shake hands at the end of the border ceremony. Mm-hmm. So we did that and had our minds blown, you know, in Pakistan after, you know, for a few days. And then we went back to Islamabad and uh, uh, pick up motorcycles and went from there. Um, so the trip basically wound through Islamabad over a mountain pass into Naran up to the Dosai Plains, and we can, I'll break down some of this in the future, through the Hunza Valley, uh, which is basically nestled in the Karakom Mountains along the Silk mm-hmm. Route, and then all the way up to China. Um, so we were riding, um, we were riding 150, 150cc Atlas Hondas. So Small uh, bike, so, right? Small bikes. Ultimately, yeah. it was the right bike. Um, oh, okay. We... Um, now Atlas Hondas are cool in themselves. They're basically Honda clones. They're they're licensed by Honda to produce them in Pakistan. So okay. in motorcycles, you know, we love motorcycles in in the West because they're for for a lot of people it's it's recreation. Uh, in Pakistan, it's transportation. You know, and and you know as you climb up the social ladder, you start out on buses and walking. Your next step is a is a motorcycle, and then eventually you get a car. So it's a very much a utilitarian thing. So there's there's millions of these small Pakistani Hondas all over, all over Pakistan. So, so we picked those up. Honda supplies the bikes um, and, uh, and sort of support, help support on the bike side. So uh, now is this all put together by the gentleman from San Francisco? Okay. So that's all through his touring. What's, what's the name of his touring touring company? A different agenda, a different agenda. Okay. That's right. You said that just wanted to make sure. So, cool. and anybody, it's, they have a website. You can Google that and, and find that, or you can contact me through, uh, through this. But, um, so we, we set out from Islamabad in about 110 degree weather. Um, just really super crazy hot. Um, mm-hmm. and what, what it was, was we had, we had, uh, 12 riders two Moin and another Pakistani guide who were on bikes. And we had, uh, two chase vehicles. Um, so we had a, uh, yeah, two, so two, two, four by four chase vehicles basically with mechanics and kind of all the, they carried the gear, but they also, you know, provided support for us too. So we were That's extremely awesome. well taken care of. Now everybody yeah. asks me, 
is it safe? It was beyond safe for a couple of reasons. Number one, despite of all the rhetoric, um, uh, Muslim people value, it's one of the pillars of Islam to be hospitable. So everywhere we went, people were just, plus they were blown away that group of, you know, I think we we're all Americans. All group of Americans came over and just was like enjoying the country because this is not that way. So people were just thrilled. God is my witness. I probably took a hundred selfies every time we stopped. <laughs> everyone's like, "Listen, can I get a picture? Of you can I get a picture of you?" It was just, it was really sweet and, yeah. and really genuine. Um, so we uh, we started out in uh, in Islamabad and took off for the first day. The first day ended up being the day that everybody crashed. Um, because it's like you're new and well the road conditions were just insane so it, and, it, and it went from like full-on beautiful tarmac to just straight up like overlanding dirt so then it was a trip that you know we're on these little bikes which was a, ended up being a good thing but with street tires underpowered and uh so it was street I don't tires think I've ever, street tires yeah so okay. but um you know, the first day you're there, the traffic in the cities is, you know, we, we that first day we drove through out of Islamabad into the mountains and then through Abbottabad, which um, coincidentally is a place where they caught bin Laden. Um, in Abbottabad, it was insanity. I mean, it was, it was six lanes of traffic in a two lane highway. Uh, people everywhere were, you know, were literally. <laughs> That's were about what, I, what I, I picture. <laughs> Yeah, we're riding on the sidewalks. We're riding in the yeah. center medians. It's just like oh any way that we can. We're dodging camels and goats and people and cars and trucks <laughs> and everything. Um, and uh, and we and basically ended up through the mountains and, and went from there. But um, the riding, everyone asked me about the riding. It was a, uh, it was extremely challenging um, uh, because of the 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 change of conditions. I mean, from like metropolitan just craziness to uh, riding in the Desai Plains at, you know, 13, 14,000 feet, um, which the Desai Plains is the second highest. I think the, the, there's a plains in Peru that are higher. This is the second highest plains desert in the, in the world. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, we went from basically from sea level to eventually up to six, 17,000 feet at the, um, at the pass, the Cairo pass into China. So cra it's crazy. So, you know, we go from, we go from, 110 degrees to 35 degrees, just, you know, it was a, it was a complete different, you know, just a lot of difference and a lot of variation. Um, so do that, does your guide tell you to like prepare for these wide swings in temperature and mm -hmm. in, in terms of what you're going to pack? Obviously you can bring yeah. a little bit more because you have the chase vehicles, right? right? The chase yeah. vehicles made the total difference. Um, we ran into a lot of different riders that were coming the opposite direction. Some were on big GSs and big, you know, venture touring bikes. Um, so they're able to carry a lot more stuff, but you know, but they weren't going where we were going. They were just staying on, staying on the main roads. Okay, because I was going to ask you, like this route yeah. that you did, is it mm -hmm. is it a is it a known popular route, or is it like kind of something custom that that Moyne put it's together? It's something custom that Moyne put together. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so he's going to kind of take you off the beaten path where exactly you know yeah. maybe the Europeans and other folks who are out right. doing motorcycle touring are probably not going unless they know somebody. Maybe. Yeah, you'd have to sort of yeah. know. But for a lot of it, you have to know kind of where you were. Yeah. And again, I keep mentioning it, but the, that was probably my favorite day was riding in the plains. It was all dirt. It was all Jeep trail. So, um, Does that mean rough, it's not, gravel? Is it, is it, you know, it was or... straight, straight dirt, baby heads, you know, a lot of rocks. Wow. Um, 
it was hard. It was hard writing. It was writing I like to do, but it was really, it was a lot. It was like 10, like eight to 10 hours of that kind of riding. Wow. And um, you're on these little 150 CC motorbikes. Yeah. And for folks that don't ride motorcycles like myself, can you, can you put some perspective of, of what these bikes are versus like what maybe some of us are used to accustomed to seeing when somebody's out in death Valley or they're out in the yeah. Alpine loop or Moab or whatever. Sure. Sure. So this is a, it's a street bike. It's uh, probably about 200 pounds total. I really like um, okay. little bikes. Yeah. Small engines, 150 CC, probably running 10 horsepower, maybe um, top speed on the, you know, when we had open tarmac was 45, 50. Oh, wow. So, but the great thing about it is, you know, and anybody who's done dirt ride knows this, it's like small bike, big fun, you know, so you could, you could chuck it around. Yeah. Um, you know, if you got into trouble, you could sort of, you could slide the back end around. It just was mm -hmm. much easier to sort of maneuver even with the crappy tires we had. Um, and again, I, I think, I mean, my DRZ would have been probably great there too, but I think I, I almost think there's not a better bike for the kind of stuff that we we're doing, especially because we we're in such varied conditions. Yeah. Um, but the planes were, you know, we had one guy that uh, everybody, everybody crashed. So, uh, and Mo the funny thing was, check this out. So Moyne, Moyne is an incredible rider. He's the Pakistani motocross champion. Um, really? I didn't mention that when we're in Lahore, he has a, <laughs> he has a, a, a kind of a motor park. So he's got a, a small okay. uh, track um, for, uh, for, for doing drifting and sort of small. Uh, and he's got like a motocross track. So he's, he's an incredible rider. Um, he, and in his off days, he's doing, um, he's doing a lot of desert racing in pickup trucks and in motorcycles. Oh, wow. So yeah, this guy's fully committed to kind of the, the dirt life. Cool. Um, but we, awesome. we found out that like one guy was a mathematician on the trip and he found out that every, every, every spot closer you were to Moyne, there was a 7% chance of crashing. <laughs> so you're trying to keep up with the fast guy, right? Oh, exactly. Oh yeah. You know, yeah and <laughs> so, and, uh, but, uh, and everybody crashed, I think, but one guy, actually the mathematician didn't crash cause he stayed way in the back. Um, but, uh, but all the crashes were like low speed, low sides, you know, nothing, nothing major except for the guy time I hit a guy and almost got sandwiched by a truck, but that's another thing. Oh, hey, you know, that's, that's uh, the Pakistan experience. It sounds like, right. But the planes were a trip, man. There's one guy that was a desert racer when he was younger and I think his head was still young, but his body was older. And, uh, <laughs> that was the scariest moment for me because I was, I was like second or third behind and I come over a, a crest and what he had done is there was a, there was sort of a crest with a left hand into a downhill and he went flying over that left hand, hit a baby head, um, he low sided, which in motorcycle terms means you go, uh, you don't go over the bike, you go under the bike and he low sided, which is a much better crash, but he, uh, he was knocked out when I showed up and I'm like, Oh shit, this guy's dead. <laughs> so, so we, you know, we pulled up and, and, uh, and now granted we're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's like, literally like you got to call, you got to call a, a, a military transport to get him out of here. It's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Thankfully he was fine. But, you know, there was a couple of moments like that, but, you know, that's part of the game, you know? Yeah. So that's the um, story, right? Yeah, it really does. So, but one of the, you know, so that's, that was a great moment. Um, the, um, probably a couple of my other favorite trips. So we went to a place uh, called the Hunza Valley, which is on the Northern side of Pakistan. And I didn't mention, so we kind of as far North as we went, we went literally up to the Chinese border. 
Uh, it's the highest this, border crossing this, in the world. This, I think I don't know if you said it at the beginning the total you, the total mileage you did was like sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the Chinese border was the highest border crossing in the world. It has the highest ATM in the world, um, and that was about sixteen seventeen thousand feet. So and that which was, which mountains are those up there? That's the Karakoum Mountains. That's the Karakoum. Okay. So and that's the range that K two is in. Ah. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is that Annapurna up there too? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and it might yeah. be in the Hindu Kush, but yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's cool because we were in uh, around the area of uh, a town called Gilgit. Um, it's kind of where the Karakoam and the Hindu Kush and the Himalayas all converge together. Um, just beautiful areas, you know, the mountains, that. the scenery, you know, incre- just incredible, incredible. So what, what's, what's the, you know, obviously once you get into the high plains, you're above the timberline, right? So it's just rugged mm-hmm. peaks, but like what you're leaving Islamabad. I can't remember if is, is it Islamabad or Jalalabad? That's actually a really modern city. They all are. So Islamabad is a new city. It was, it was founded as, as the capital 30 years or 40 years ago. Yeah. So, um, Jalalabad's a big city. There's also, um, well, Lahore is a huge city. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, what's the town on the uh, Kar- Karachi is the other huge city. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. And so, like, you're leaving like Islamabad. What is? What's the? You know, obviously, you're driving on the street, but like, what's the scenery? Are there trees? Is it green? Mm-hmm. Are there mountains? And what's it like when you go in the mountains? You know, maybe you can help yeah. our our listeners kind of get an idea of of yeah. the terrain that you're going through. Um, and again, we saw everything. So uh, the early part of the trip, we left Islamabad, which is in the foothills. Um, and I don't know what range it is. It's not, it's not one of the big ranges. But, um, but we ended up going over a pass at about 7,000 feet there, which was a low pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, at, uh, and then we, we dropped into a town called Naran, uh, which is sort of a mountain uh, tourist, uh, touristy destination for Pakistanis, not for, not for Westerners. Um, and you go over a huge mountain peak. The first mountain we, we climbed over was called Baba Sur, uh, which I think was around twelve or 14,000 feet. Again, okay. a small peak for there. So you go from like, I mean, Islamabad's got trees. It's not like straight desert. It's like, a, it's, it's like almost like a California town, you know, where mm-hmm. uh, it's arid, but, but got trees and stuff. So uh, by the time we got over the top of the first pass, it was straight pine trees, uh, full on, you know, mountain terrain. But you know, with mountain goats and with, you know, monkeys and, you know, wow. it's a trip and you're driving past monkeys and you're like, Hey, there's, a, there's a monkey right there. Yeah. So they just kind of <laughs> hang out there. Um, and then we dropped into Naran after that. And that's where I had my first crash. So, um, what happened was that I was trying to split between, um, it was almost dark. We were running late. I was splitting between a car and a truck and, initially it was okay the the car decided it was gonna it cross over into my lane and i sort of either had to hit the truck or hit the car so i chose the car nobody was hurt um but i damaged the back the back door of the car which see again this is pakistan so check this out in the u.s this would have been ten thousand dollars worth of damage um just by the way crazy things are so we made the connection with the driver we told him we were going to stay he showed up at the hotel when we got there um moine basically said I'm going to take care of it. The hotel owner said, I'm vouching for these guys. And the guy said, okay. And he left. And, and we got a bill, uh, 
we got a bill by the end of the trip for the damage and it was I paid it it was like 300 bucks oh my god so, so I'm like okay <laughs> I can deal with that <laughs> so yeah um, but I could have been you know it's just the traffic is so brutal you know until you get out in the country you know it's just um, and the drivers are much more aggressive than you would see in the US I mean it's it's very dog eat dog but that's the way it is in emerging countries everywhere it's you know yeah. driving is, is as much of a sport as it is a transportation <laughs> blood sport right yeah um, yeah <laughs> well i'm glad you're okay yeah. so <laughs> the, the the first crash so i'm assuming we're going to hear some additional crashes coming up yeah, there were a couple more yeah yeah okay so, all right and well, so where are you guys crash. like um where, where are you staying at night do they do they set you up in a hotel do you ever camp or yeah. what is what does that look like so in the cities we were in nice hotels uh not not five star like i would say like two star hotels um the funny thing about Pakistan is it's it's like, again, a lot like a lot of emerging world countries, you, you get three things. You have internet, you have um, kind of air conditioning, and you've got uh, running water and electricity. You never get them all. So if you get two out of three, you're doing really good. If you get three or four out of three, then you're doing amazing. But, you know, you got to be sometimes <laughs> be okay with one out of three. So yeah, yeah. in Islamabad, it was fine, you know, but as we as we progress through the trip, uh, when we're in the in the towns, we would stay in Pakistani hotels, not tourist hotels. Um, but when we got up into the mountain areas, we stayed in a lot of um, kind of jumping off points for hikers, kind of hostelish stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So we didn't camp out at all, which I was really thankful for because the days were long. I mean, we were riding for in sketchy conditions for you know eight to ten hours a day. Yeah. So you kind of needed a good place to crash um, and a good meal. Um, so I was very thankful about that. Um, but yeah, so the accommodations were, yeah, you know, they went from fairly rustic to decent. That's awesome. And yeah. then do they take care of you with local food there? Or what's, what's the, um, yeah, what's the it, was, food it was certainly all local food. Uh, very well taken care of. Um, you know, and to, I mean, to be honest, I, I love the food. I, I loved it for a week and a half. Um, and then I was like, for the love of God, I can't eat any more curry. <laughs> so, so it was a lot of chicken, uh, didn't yeah. get any beef and a lot of mutton, uh, which any is lamb, no lamb, just mutton, no lamb. I guess a li little too, uh, bougie, huh? Yeah. Well, they have, uh, you know, a billion sheep. So they just shoot a sheep for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, uh, but just some, some, some amazing food and some sketchy food. I mean, nothing sketchy in terms of unsafe, but just, you know, not great. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is, right? All it is what it is. That's why we're there, you know. Yeah. So one of the uh, a couple of the more exciting places. So um, we went out to a place outside of the Hunza Valley, um, where there was a an indigenous group of people that lived about twenty miles off the beaten track, um, and they had just you you couldn't get out there. It was it was uh, unsafe and un relatively unpassable, except on like a horse or ever until about two or three years ago where they they built a road now when i say road i mean they built a jeep trail <laughs> so okay. somebody somebody um, went out there with a excavator or whatever and just yeah you know ripped it through the side of the mountain that was that's the road. pretty much it you know and we're talking you know it was, it was high so we were out of the tree line we're talking you know 10 12 000 feet um alongside of a river um uh, you know we're riding on what i would call a jeep trail you know, but, you know, 
on to the left is a thousand foot slide off the bank into a river kind of stuff. So real, real sketchy, you know, a lot of blind turns. So you're like, you're trying to be really careful so that, you know, if you come up to a turn, everybody beeps, at least so you know that somebody's coming because it's, it's just one, you know, it's, it's two track. That's it. Um, but we got to the end of this, man. We, you know, tw- it was, you know, half a day of hard riding. Um, and then you pop into this valley, this verdant valley. It's like all green with kids everywhere. And, you know, it was, it's it just, the payoff was incredible. Um, yeah. We show up in the evening and the people, um, the proprietor of the hotel we were staying at, it was really, again, a jumping off point for climbers, um, prepared a meal for us, laid it out on the ground and we everybody sit down. And then that evening, some of the local people came, um, music, local musicians, and basically just started playing music for us. And uh, it was one of those evenings where it's like, this is like a holy sacred moment. You know, you're, you know, you're looking at the mountain climb over top of the Karakom mountains. It's, you know, perfect weather, Pakistani music going on. Just, just one of those moments in life where you go, okay, I'm, I'm taking a snapshot here. This is, this is one of those days. That's and awesome. uh, so that was, that was great. But the, we spent a fair amount of time in the Hunza Valley again, which is on the northern side of Pakistan. It's it's a it's a beautiful valley. It was a British stronghold, um, and I think Genghis Khan had been through there. I mean, the history in these places. You know, we think we got history in the U.S. and we do, but nothing like that. You know, no. Um, but it's also an artist stronghold. It's very. It's a little more on the liberal side. Women aren't wearing hijabs, and uh, so we you know we stayed in this really cool mountain village with a bunch of yurts, and uh, and again some well. <laughs> That's yeah, another story. There's so much to say. Um, we ended up partnering with a, there's a Pakistani musician uh, called Jimmy Khan. You can, you can look him up on YouTube also. Incredible musician. Plays traditional Pakistani music, but also Western westernized Pakistani music. And so Jimmy stayed with us for a few days in the Hunza Valley. So every evening he's pulling out his guitar and you know singing for us. But also what he does in the summer in Hunza is he does an artisan residence at a school for um, uh, for for children who speak well? They speak uh, you know the Pakistani language, but they also speak um, which is Urdu, um, but they also speak their tribal language, which is a dying language designated by the UN. So Jimmy's up there uh, recording the ch- teaching the kids music and recording them in their in their native language to get for posterity to get sort of everything recorded down. So there's some history there. So we were just blessed to go and hang out at the school. Uh, our group raised raised a little bit of money to provide the kids with uh, with instruments and some recording equipment, and uh, just got to go up there. This is but incredible, just in a, you know, just such a blessing to be able to to see that and to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so another thing we did in the Hunza Valley area was there's a um, there's a woman's co-op that does uh, rug, traditional rug weaving. Um, so it's a group of women that come together. Basically they, you know, they weave these rugs and sell them wherever they can. And uh, our group was able to go in and, and spend about a thousand dollars on rugs, which is like two years salary for some of them. And, uh, and the rugs are beautiful. I'm looking at one right now on our wall. Um, so we were able to build in some social components to it to where we're, you know, and this goes back to my day job, which is about all about serving people. I'm glad that we were able to work in not only sort of the cultural awareness issue but also actually do some good and serving people and learning about some of the indigenous things that are going on in pakistan um, Mm -hmm. you know with people so yeah i think you really hit on a a really important part of international travel especially 
when you, you know, a lot of people, they go to Europe or they go to Mexico or South America and they, they kind of stay on mm. the beaten path. You know, they're staying at a resort or, yeah. you know, maybe they're going to Oaxaca and they're kind of experienced local stuff, but they're not really getting way out there kind of like you guys are. Um, and I, I think it, it really is a, a different experience, but I also think we need to think about us as being mm-hmm. representatives, not just for ourselves, but where we're from and putting right. our best foot forward, you know, um, yeah. and, and contributing, you know, like yes. they, like you said, like they, uh, one of the pillars of Islam is, is, you know, like open arms and, and welcoming yeah. people into your lives, your houses and all that stuff. And, and how can you treat them with dig- dignity and respect and give a little bit back too. And I'm kind of talking right. on the financial end of things because, you know, we're, yeah. we're lucky, you know, we, we come from not just one of the most affluent countries in the world, but one of the most affluent parts of the United States. Right. I think, true. I think we can all, for those of us that are lucky enough to travel international, you know, it's not like you have to spend a thousand dollars for one person on something, but like that money goes a long way for those people. It sure there. does. It's yeah. funny. I had a conversation. So one of the one of our guides, his name is Fahad. Now this this kid's a Stanford educated uh, guy who kind of got his chops in Silicon Valley, and they decided to go back and is working on doing tech startups in in Pakistan. It's awesome to have him with us. You know, we're sitting one night, we're listening to the Muslim call to prayer, which is just beautiful. Uh, you know, and I'm just talking about the U.S. and I'm complaining about our political situation, not specifically about certain party, but just sort of the general tenure of politics in the u.s and mm-hmm. lamenting some of the challenges and he, he goes john i'm gonna stop you he goes don't you realize that you live in paradise he goes y- y- what are you complaining about and i'm like and it kind of stopped me in my tracks and i'm like you know blue red purple green whatever we live in paradise you know we get to drive these vehicles spend this money on it we get to go out to these beautiful places in the, especially in the West up in the mountains. And yeah. And it's, you can, uh, do, what just, you, you can, you can do and be what you want. You know, you, you right. want to start a nonprofit. You can yep. do that. Exactly. You want to be a carpenter. You can do that. Right. You, yep. That's right. If you, you want to go sit on the side of the street and, and beg for money, you could do that too. If that's, yeah. if that's your impetus, yeah. but uh, yeah, true. you're, you're absolutely right. You, we, we do have so many choices and we really are lucky. Well, isn't that what travel does, though? Travel opens us up to these new perspectives and sort of clarifies. And I mean, even, you know, shoot, even when I go into Mendocino National Forest, it, something impacts me, you know, just, <laughs> just being out and reflecting and seeing the nature and experiencing yeah. divinity, divinity, however you experience it in the middle of yep. that is, is just, and being with other people. Every time I'm doing overlanding, sure. I'm just blown away by the beautiful people that I'm with that I probably never would have rubbed shoulders with otherwise. I mean, that's, that is what I love about just like yeah. whether you're traveling or exploring the back country, whether you're in Pakistan yep. or you're in your local national forest, it just gets you away from everything. And, you yeah. know, you might, you might have a particular outlook on life and certain values and all that stuff. And mine might be totally different, but when you're out there, you can right. kind of connect on that, like that human level and get to know that person mm-hmm. across from you without all of that other BS, that kind of like, exactly you know, right. that, that, that society kind of puts these labels and categories on us. And, you know, we're, we're yeah. so much more than that. We're so much more. And I think, I think that's, that's a really true. important part of thing about traveling is like, mm-hmm. 
we all have biases, right? Like no matter mm -hmm. what you say, we all have them to some extent. It's whether you're mm -hmm. aware of them or not. And I think um, traveling helps to open those doors up and, and to expose some of those biases and maybe say, I thought it was this way and it was this way and I had no idea, right? Like I'm sure a mm -hmm. lot of people would, you know, with all the stuff you hear in the media, the negativity of the way that Pakistan is portrayed, I mean, some of it, the government may not be doing the best stuff there, but that's not necessarily representative of the people that live there, right? No, not at all. The important thing we can think about, you know, yep. I know a lot of Russian folks and all, all the, all the stuff going on over there. And I don't know if they support what's going on over there or not, but I know, I know them as a person. And just because what Vladimir Putin is doing doesn't mean right. he represents them, you know? And I think that's a really that's exactly important right. thing. I think about like, <laughs> You know, we, we had a time where on the trip where we stopped. There was a crossroads. We were, we were connecting with the Karakom Highway, which is the old Silk Road. Um, and there's a spot. We were crossing over into one of the other provinces. And it's a spot where everybody pulls over and takes pictures by the sign, you know, like we do here. So, I mean, we're just a spectacle of, <laughs> you know, of, of all these motor, Western motorcyclists decked out in expensive motorcycle gear, you know. And uh, we just look like an odd group of people hanging, you know. Everybody else is riding around. We're riding with $500 boots and they're riding around with a pair of sandals, you know, but nonetheless, yep. we stop here. We stop here <laughs> and, and everybody mobs us, you know, immediately. And, uh, and we've got these, you know, these beautiful Pakistani women jumping on our motorcycles and taking pictures with their husbands, you know, and it was just a moment I'm watching this go down and I'm like, wow, this is really what it's all about. You know, it's, it's that connection and how just all the barriers are dropped when it's that personal, you know, moment yeah. with somebody. It's, it was great. Yeah. So um, the Hunza Valley was, was beautiful. I mean, high Valley surrounded by 25,000 foot peaks. Um, the crazy. trip up to the, uh, the trip up to the Chinese border was really interesting too. That was sort of the, the northernmost area we went. Um, it was, it was about a four hour ride, almost straight up, um, you know, with switchbacks on these tiny bikes that are carbureted. So, you know, by the time we got up to the top, I mean, these things are gasping for air, you know, going, you know, 15 miles an hour trying to, you know, cart my fat ass up there in carburation. There's just not enough air. So they just, <laughs> um, but what an amazing, you know, you get up to the top and you're like, there's a limited oxygen. You can, you know, I'm, I'm dizzy. I can't walk, but you know, five feet because I can barely breathe. Um, but there's a ton of Pakistanis there. Everybody's just there sort of celebrating. And, you know, it was just such an interesting kind of a cool thing to look across to china which i never thought i would do definitely from not from pakistan and uh so that you know is there a border crossing so there that, that you drove to or uh we got as close as we could you couldn't they don't unless you're actually crossing they they keep you back a couple hundred yards mm -hmm. um but uh yeah it's a uh, it's just hard to say you know you're in this place it's like how do you describe the alps how, you know correctly how do you describe yosemite or Glacier National Park, you know, you could tell somebody beautiful mountains, snow capped, but when you're standing there, you're like, oh my god, you know, this is this is literally one of the most beautiful places on earth, and uh, and it's just it's it's absolutely breathtaking, and yeah. it's just to be able to experience that. Now on a motorcycle, I mean, it's similar to overlanding too, but on a motorcycle, having 360 panoramic views, 
you know, being able to smell the flowers and smell, you know, the diesel fuel and smell, you know, just I, I, the one thing I love about riding motorcycles in these situations is it's a, you're immersed in the, in the totally. environment in a way that's different than being in a car. Being in a car or, or a truck is great too. Now, I will shout out to Pakistani Jeep drivers. So when you get up to some of these areas, especially where the Pakistani tourists go, there's these like old school Jeep willies and, so, and some newer ones too that are just, these guys, man, they take these Jeeps in places that we didn't, I mean, we get all hyped up for rock crawling. I mean, these guys are doing it with 10 people in the back and, you know, and, and it's, they are the, some of the best drivers I've ever seen in my life for four wheelers. Um, so it was fun to see them kind of kicking off into the mountains and going up the side of these, you know, multi-thousand foot things in these broken down old Jeeps and, uh, and making it up there and back. So I feel like they're a little bit less risk averse from some of the stuff that I see. And I'll just be like, think? Oh my God. Oh my God. Like he's just, just going to do it. Just going to send it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, That's crazy. So, um, coming back was, you know, so we start backtracking after a week and a half up there. Okay. So you're doing an out and back basically is, is what you guys are doing. Yeah. That was the best, the best way to do it, uh, for him. Okay. So, um, we Does that mean you're, you're, are you retracing what you did? Are you kind of doing a loop and, and doing new terrain or? Uh, by that time we were retracing and we weren't doing some of the harder stuff. Um, I mean, the general roads are hard enough, but we didn't do the yeah. design plans or, or right out to that, that, that village. Okay. Right, so you took some detours along the way back yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. I, um, I mean, I can imagine after your ride, we were done 12 days and your beat high elevation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were done. We were done. So, and I got to say one thing. So it was interesting. I, I, I think I caught COVID there. Uh, the funny thing is one of these group, you know, we were the group of people. One of the guys got COVID. He, we got him tested. Um, there's nothing we can do. It's like, you got to press on, <laughs> you know, I mean, there ain't no going to lay down for 12 days. You just got to press on. <laughs> so, so we did. And, and I think I got, uh, I tested negative first, but I, I, I went down for two days and just was like laid out and, uh, the nice thing about the trip was, is having so many wow. mechanics and stuff with us. If somebody needed to tap out, they could jump in one of the cars and let, let one of the Pakistani guys ride the bike. Um, and everybody did that at least once, you know, you think, Oh, I'm not, I don't need to do that. But man, you know, two weeks of riding motorcycles in adverse conditions, you're kind of like, there's going to be a day or two. You're like, I need to tap out and just like, yeah, sit for car. sure. So the COVID thing, what, what is, uh, obviously you're, you're probably in a lot of really rural areas. So, you know, yeah. probably limited government presence there. What's the COVID situation as far as, you know, like China has obviously their, their zero tolerance policy. We'll see how that plays out. Um, what is the situation in Pakistan? Uh, we were there near the end of the, I mean, you had to be vaccinated to get in. Um, okay. But it seemed like once I was there, it was kind of no holds barred. Okay. That's you cool. Know, there weren't any mass yeah, mandates, but they did. To go, you had to be vaccinated. Yeah. 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 It, it's so, good to know that, you know, outside of China, most of the world is, it seems like they're, yeah. they're opened up and everything like that. So cool. I had, I had one weird interaction with, with the medical system uh, in a good way. So I, I developed a kind of a weird, I hate, sorry, TMI, everybody, a, a weird cyst under my, underneath my um, armpit. And it started to really hurt. And I was trying to gut it out. But after a couple of days, I'm like, man, this thing's really, and this, it was getting infected. So um, <laughs> so I went to Des Moines. I said, Des Moines, I got to go to see a doctor. Now, we were kind of in a very rural area at this time. But there still are doctors and such. So um, so finally, he grabs me. It was like 8 at night. We drive to this 
rural kind of hospital thing. It's all shut down. We knock on the door. The doctor comes to the door. He brings me in. Um, he diagnoses it. It was a swollen lymph node, nothing major, but needed, needed antibiotics. And it was funny because he goes, he goes, do you, want, do you want medicine? I'm like, yeah, why not? And he goes, well, a lot of foreigners, they come here and they don't, they don't, they don't trust us. And I'm like, you're a doctor, right? He goes, yeah. I'm like, give me the medicine. But typical Pakistani hospitality. So the pharmacy was closed. So he drove us to the pharmacy, opened it up. Now this is about 1030 at night at this point. Um, gave me the medicine, handed it to me, drove back to our hotel with us, wow. uh, made sure I knew how to took it, and then came back the next day to check on me. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is, but that's, that's hospitality. You know, they're yeah. just, they, they love people and, you know, especially foreigners, just honoring us for being there and just, you know, taking, taking a chance to be there just was incredible. And uh, yeah, I, I, so I, that's, I, that's I really to be blown away. That's really awesome. Um, you know, I, I know a little bit about a Pakistan, not a ton. Um, but you know, I, if I was to be honest with you without doing research, I would assume that maybe there were some negative impressions of Americans. If I were to visit and, you know, I might catch some flack, but did you, did you get anything like that at all? Or was it all, all gravy all the time? As as God is my witness, I had zero negative interactions with anybody. Wow. That's awesome. Even to a point where like if the local, and we didn't really want this, but if, if we came into a local area and stayed the night, if the, if the authorities knew we were there, the police would actually come out and set up guards to make sure we were safe. The last thing that they want is an incident with an American. Um, I mean, not only the fact that they're just going to take care of you anyway, but they are not trying to have any incidents with, with American tourists. Cause I, and I think the backdrop you got to remember up until the war on terror, especially in, in the Hunza Valley where we were up in the Karakom mountains, it was an, it was an international destination for hiking. So people were coming from everywhere and it was a big driver of the economy. But as soon as the war on terror, terror happened, it just completely, it dried up. Yeah. So, you know, so our groups are some of the first groups that are starting to come back. I mean, you, you did run into some random stragglers who were from Germany or mostly Europeans. It's always um, the Germans, no, isn't it? Yeah, Europeans are great, um, but they uh, so they're really excited to have us there because they're they're really hopeful that their economy will come back. Because again, you're not going to find. I mean, it's other than the Alps, it's just it's it's incredible climbing. If you're a climber, it's heaven. Now you, you mentioned the the Silk Road. How much of the Silk Road did you guys drive on? We we did uh, probably four or five hundred miles. Now that that is well relatively popular given the location like folks are passing through there I, I, on a semi-regular basis right well I mean, it's probably... the main artery now between pakistan and china so all the all the trade in fact china is doing i mean it's a whole other conversation from a, from a political standpoint you can talk about the belt and road initiative that china is oh, yeah. doing yeah um but in this part so china has invested millions of dollars into infrastructure especially in northern pakistan um they built miles of tunnels through mountains um, and they're building a huge electro uh, a, a dam for um, for power mm -hmm. um, right now. That's actually also doing some flood control. So it, again, perceptions are funny. Pakistan, the Pakistanis I met, now I don't know about the government because I've heard nefarious things about the way the government, that China finances these things. Take that out of the equation. The everyday Pakistan is thinking my roads are getting better. I'm getting electric power. 
you know, and I can, I yeah. can, but all that's along the Karakom Highway. So they're doing that also to make sure that there's a trade route back into Pakistan. So it's uh, it's pretty highly traveled, particularly with big, big lorries, big trucks. And, uh, because again, it's, it's the trade route. Yep. 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 Like it always has been. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You think, uh, some of the people that came before you that, that walked that or rode a horse or a camel crazy, or whatever they're on it. It's, it's, it's insane. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're talking about giants of history, like Genghis yeah. Khan probably went through there, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 Marco Polo yeah. went through there. Alexander the Great. He, I feel like Marco Polo is a small person compared to the the folks that went through there. Yeah. And the British and the, you know, all that too. So incredible history. Went through there at one point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been to Europe. I've, I lived in Mexico, you know, but you start being in these places that has this, just this rich history. Uh, Also a history of oppression (laughs) is just interesting to see how sort of our, our current political, world political situation also ties back to what happened a thousand years ago. You know, we're it's just crazy, isn't it? We're kind yeah. of blip on the whole map. You know, we think we're so yeah. important, but really we're just part of the game. Yeah. 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 It's cool, so, man. you this know, is... I would say I walked away with the fact, like I love going places where people say I shouldn't go. Um, I, I, you know, I've been to Cuba three times. Um, now I've been to Pakistan. I lived in Mexico. Um, and I've just found over and over again that those being immersed in those cultures, going as a learner and not a teacher, sitting, you know, metaphorically sitting at the feet of people, listening to them um, is, is just, a, it's life-changing. And even at my age of 54, I'm still learning, you know, I, I learned so much. And, and as much as the little bit that we gave to Pakistan was exponentially returned back to us in the experience, both in terms of like the riding, you know, the, the stuff that we like to do as motorcyclists and overlanders, you know, that, that kind of stuff, but also the cultural engagement, the breaking down of barriers, talking to people, you know, at the end of the day, everybody just wants to raise their family, you know, talking to the yeah. Pakistani guides about like their lives and their families. And, you know, it just is a, I, and I would just say like, go get out there, you know, just do something. It. Yeah, yeah, just just enjoy the world and don't worry what the pundits say and the news. People are generally beautiful and wonderful and you know as as hospi- hospitable as we would be towards a foreigner, they also want to be to us. Absolutely. So that that kind of brings me to two thoughts um and I, I want to start with one and then we'll kind of jump into the other one that has to do with more motorcycle travel and mm-hmm. your experience and it's kind of a common theme what I hear from folks. But as you're preparing to go to Pakistan, are are you doing research and kind of like the customs there? Was there anything that Moin or other folks there said, hey, don't do this or you need to be aware of that? Like what was that situation as far as kind of being a guest in, in the country of Pakistan? Uh-huh. Yeah, so Pakistan is probably, it's a little different than other places because it was so British that uh, English is is widely spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have uh, respect is probably not the right word, but they have sort of an affinity towards um, towards Western culture because of their experience with the British. They also hate mm-hmm. there's a whole negative love side hate of that yeah too, but yeah, yeah. Um, so so the the cultural sort of interactions were are a little bit better because of that compared to other places I've been. 
Okay. Um, we, we did spend a lot of time, you know, on zoom calls ahead of time, talking to people, you know, our guys were mostly great, but you know, we tried to diffuse sort of the ugly American kind of ways, um, ahead of time. The biggest thing really was, um, interactions with women. You had to be really careful with, uh, because they just have a whole different way of, um, you know, of interacting once, once they know you, you're in like family, but you know, you just sort of have to be careful with that. Um, but for the most part, no, I mean, if you're just not being an asshole and you're just, mm-hmm. you're just, you know, being respectful, it, it, that's really the biggest thing. Yeah. It's crazy how far that'll take you. Just don't <laughs> be true, an a-hole, right. Don't be yeah. an a-hole. <laughs> yeah. You think about all the, all these, these Americans and tourists wherever traveling and it's like, what were you doing? What yeah. did you expect? Um, yeah. But the exactly. next thing I kind of want the next thing I kind of want to get into is, um, you know, kind of kind of contrast what this experience might have been like if you were in your Tacoma versus the motorcycle. Like, what what did you you kind of talked about the experience of getting the wind? You know, you, you kind of you're immersed, but like, what about that social aspect? Kind of what is the difference between riding a motorcycle versus kind of like being yeah. in your enclosed vehicle when you're traveling, especially in another country? Yeah. I think, uh, I, well, certainly the sensory experience we've already talked about. So that's, that's a whole different ball game. Plus, uh, you know, plus there's a danger element. I think it's greater on a motorcycle as For opposed sure. to being in a car. So, yeah. so you're sort of dealing with that also. But um, I felt like being on a motorcycle was, was a, an automatic entry for people to come up and talk to you. Yep. Um, it's definitely less intimidating. You know, you're vulnerable in a good way. Um, you know, and, and everyone's sort of, not that they wouldn't respect you in a car, but they know, you know, you're there like paying your dues <laughs> to be there. You know, you're riding, you're in the wet, it's cold. So I, I've just found it was very easy. You know, and then you get people who just want to come around and kick the tires. Oh, oh nice motorcycle, you know, that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's just a natural bridge, you know, builder being on a bike compared to being in a car. Because it, it naturally- kind of like having a- almost like your door is open at the church or something exactly. like that. People are welcome. And sometimes I feel like when you're in a vehicle, you're kind of in your fortress, you're enclosed in there a little bit. And and then if, you know, like you're in the vehicle, you might be camping in the backcountry versus staying in the city yeah. or a hotel or wherever you're at. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, so it would have been a much different experience. It would have been a great experience in a car or, a, or you know, or, or a truck, um, but it would have been a different experience. So I'm really glad we did it on, on motorcycles, you know, for that reason. Yeah. So we, we learned about a couple of crashes. Somebody got knocked out. You thought he was dead. You had yeah. to make a, you know, an emergency visit to the local physician. Uh, yeah. You, sl- you slammed into the back door of a car that cost you $300, but you, and I, you have, and I hit you're a guy. here and you have your life. Yeah. Um, so there were two it's, others. It's, so yeah, I want to hear like the craziest things that went down on this trip because I feel like you go into a country for this long, especially on motorcycles, yep. stuff is going to happen. Like an idiot, I was following Moyne. Um, you know, and just for, I, and I'm, a, I'm a good rider. I'm not the best rider, but I'm a good rider. So, and it was fun following him because it's, you're challenging yourself. But so, like an idiot, I'm following him in one of the towns. Um, and uh, he zipped behind, there was a, there was a truck backing up he zipped around it. I came around and as soon as I got to the back of the truck, I gassed it. And, uh, and I'm beeping the horn and I'm yelling like, stop, 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 stop. And he kept coming. So finally, the la- so he ran into my bike and the last minute I was able to jump off, it would have crushed my, 
uh, crushed my leg. So I probably took a choice, a chance I shouldn't have took there. Um, he should have definitely saw me there. I think there's a little bit of a, you know, when I lived in Mexico is the same thing. There's a little bit of a big fish eat the little fish kind of element. Like we're bigger than you. So you're going to get out of the way. Yeah. But, uh, that could have went the wrong direction. Luckily everything was fine. I did sort of lose my cool in the middle of the street. I was not, I was not happy with the guy. Um, the, and then the second thing that happened was, uh, I forget what town I was in, but we were, we were in a town. It was very crowded. Um, we were around some, t- it was a holiday. So a lot of, well, what happens is, is it's summer. So a lot of people in the, in the towns like Islamabad head to the mountains, like the rest of us do to get cooler weather. Uh, so I'm cruising through this town, not going particularly fast. Some guy on his cell phone jumps off the curb and right in front of me, boom. And I just hit him. Um, so, but I wasn't, I was probably going 10 miles an hour. So, you know, it was awkward. You know, I went down, he went down. I wasn't hurt. I was concerned about him. He jumped up. If it was the U.S., we probably would have had lawsuits and all kinds of stuff. But we kind of just did the check and everything's okay. You good? Yeah, I'm good. And boom, just kind of moved on. Yeah. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. How, how many crashes have you had in the last six months in the States? Oh, I haven't crashed in, well, when I'm out dirt riding, it's different. Yeah, uh, you know. But when uh, I'm riding in like normal days, I haven't crashed in four years. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so you got you to be on your toes and on your game when you're riding over there, it sounds like. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, yep. for sure. So, you know, I, I always ask our, our guests this. And I, if you're not convinced that... Pakistan is a great place to go visit and explore by motorcycle or vehicle or whatever. Um, I don't know what's going to convince you, but John hit, hit us, hit us. Why, why somebody should, uh, you know, open up their eyes to Pakistan and maybe consider this for their next bucket list trip. You know, I would just say, don't listen to the news. Um, don't be stupid. Obviously I'm not going to go ride in the middle of an Iraqi firefight or something like that, but yeah. You know, don't listen to the news and just trust humanity because 99.99% of people out there are just beautiful and are just like you and I are just trying to feed their families and, you know, and, and try to find some little bit of peace and happiness. And, and uh, I've just, I've found that nine times out of 10, if I trust people, uh, they come through. Absolutely. So that leads me to my next question. Big checklist item, probably. I don't know if this was a, a bucket list thing, but for a lot of people, it would be. I would certainly love to go there. What's next? Are you thinking about that next thing? And it might have to be a little while, but like, what is what is that yeah. that next trip? You're like, I got to check that one off before I can't ride bikes anymore. Yeah, you know, on the, it's the other side of the coin, but um, I really want to go do Europe. Uh, I haven't. I haven't. I'd, I'd love to go ride. And I had a group of friends that went over to the Italian Alps this year. Okay, um, I, I would love to go right over there, um, and so, and I would love. I speak Spanish, so that's helpful. But I, I really would love to do a, a, a tour around, either in a truck or in a or in a motorcycle around um, around America and Central around Mexico and Central America. Yeah, I mean, you can so always. Jump I'm looking back at the. Up. I'm looking the Pan at Pan Am Highway. Mountain. The Pan yeah. Am Highway. There you go. I mean, I'd love to go through the Durian Gap too, but that, yeah. that would be fun. For so, sure. I, I got to get down to Patagonia. I think that's my next, yeah. my next thing eventually. We'll Absolutely. see. Patagonia and Morocco and, and, 
if, if things There's so many things, great places isn't there? i know if things ever get back to normal in russia i'm sure they will one time like i would just love to go kind of explore you know the mountains and stuff kind of on the uh the far eastern side of the country yeah. um yeah it's just uh it looks amazing out there but i mean like a lot of us who do motorcycle adventure stuff i mean long way round is really a big if you remember so um mm-hmm. mcgregor and charlie borman did three three sets of it but the first one is the best the long way around stuff is just yeah it's it's, it's good to have an eight-figure bank account right <laughs> it's true <isn't> it? <laughs> and cameras that follow you and everything yeah, yeah 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 but absolutely that's living the life but i just uh, i do want to say thanks to you too so um the work that you're doing with the trail guides has complete relevance for the stuff that i'm doing with motorcycles too um, i took a group up to the mendocino national forest and used uh, your routes and the routes that we went on together um, and, uh, I'm going to do Joshua tree and in, in the truck, uh, after Christmas. So I just appreciate cool. all the work and time and effort you're putting into this. And cause it really does impact a lot of people that you probably don't even know. Yeah, no, you know, I, I appreciate it myself. It's great to hear that. And like I said, you know, I think, um, there's something for the human psyche and, and the nurturing of our spirit and our soul to mm-hmm. get away from the modern world, even though a lot of us go out there with a lot of modern amenities, but just uh, <laughs> getting away from it all, you know, like yeah. a lot of us leave stressful lives and um, it's good to just get away from all that madness, mm-hmm. especially with election day that went down yesterday. And then, you know, it's going to continue on. And I'm like, can I just go to the woods, please? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> So no, that, that is really awesome to hear. And, you know, that's yeah. funny that you mentioned that we, we, we have folks that are in sprinter vans. We have folks that are in Jeeps and forerunners. got a lot of folks on motorcycles. There's people out there in Subarus, the giant earth roamers. So like, mm-hmm. but definitely a sizable amount of folks, um, on motos. And, um, if I ever get around to getting this website updated, it will happen eventually. Uh, we, we're going to have to think about those folks, you know, you know, yeah. like how far, how far am I in between fuel stops and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I think we can help with that for some lodging in there and all that stuff. So yep. it's definitely on a radar. We care about you guys that are on the two wheels and stuff like that. Uh, I know I've talked to you about, um, I don't think it's going to happen soon. I floated it to my wife and, um, I didn't get a very uh. friendly response. So I got to wait for the kid to be a little bit older as well. Um, dude, it's just like a puppy. Just bring it home. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I just, <laughs> it just got an e-bike though. So, you know, it's like, Hey, I, I know, know I just I know. spent this money and I got this toy and you just got to one thing at a time. Eventually. Well, ride uh, one of mine. Eventually. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm up for it. Let me know if you're heading North. Yeah. All right, man. This was, this was awesome again. Uh, thank you cool. so much. Uh, John Leote, our guest, um, big thumpers. You didn't plug big thumpers. No. So, uh, you know, my website is bigthumpers.com and yeah. uh, doing sort of some motorcycle tours and some consulting and things around that. And also, uh, the motorcycles and misfits podcast. Um, if Check you're it out, guys. just kind of come listen and, and enjoy. All right. When you go on that next big trip, let me know. Um, this, this was an epic one. I really enjoyed the having you mm-hmm. on. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll chat soon. Right on. And if not, guys, that is the end of the episode. We will catch you next time. Next time, happy trails. Till then. Bye.